Hello everyone and welcome to Planning Worldwide with Henry Wasniak. Today we'll be talking about the city of Ypres or Ypres. Uh, honestly, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it, but it's a small city in Belgium that I've traveled to not that long ago. As this is my uh, first podcast I'm posting publicly, I'd like to uh, tell you a little bit about what this podcast is going to be like. Um, so I plan on making around four podcasts about different cities around the world and just telling you a little bit about them and what you can go and see with your own eyes around the world. And it's, it's more to spread the word about how cities can really improve their city planning throughout their city and really improve it for everyone not only tourists but also people that live there and go around the city during like a normal day um but as i was saying uh first city we'll be looking at is Ypres, belgium it was um originally found originally mentioned um by name in 1066 as a lot of European cities are really quite old, and this one is no exception to that. And it was raided by the Romans in the first century BC, which was a big like, point in their history, and it kind of rose their city's name up, and it was more well-known. Um, it was likely named after the Liperli, which runs along the banks of the town that's a river in Belgium and that's most likely where it came from sorry I mispronounced it's Eperly but um yeah that's where the name of the town came from as it's named Epers um based off of the name of the river and um they speak Flemish mainly one of the two official languages in Belgium and some of them do speak French as it's taught in most Belgian schools both French and Flemish, and as a third language, English, usually as it's become more and more used across the globe. And I really, the reason why I chose this was because of a school trip I went on quite recently, and I was fascinated about the history and the culture and people of this city. And I was highly encouraged by my project manager to... I mean, just, just, like, talk about it, as I learned quite a bit on the trip, as it was mainly based around our history unit, which I'm not in history class, although I still find it quite interesting. It was mainly around the World War One time in the city, which we'll get onto a little bit later on. Um, but one of the interesting things is that the city really isn't growing anymore. It's stuck just below 35,000 people at 34,900 and it's gaining basically no people per year with a 0.01 increase in 2019 and yeah I mean it's those are some of the smaller basic facts that of the city and really the build up the city and like the start of it was I mean, as stated, it was founded in 1066, and it was a 
played a vital part in the um, fabric market and I mean basically the entire world just due to its great location as it was quite close to um, the Belgian coast only 40 miles away or in kilometers that would be let me search that up quickly it would be around 65 kilometers away from the coast and that really put it in a really good location for a fabric hub as that was one of the most used materials out there during during these really early like 11th century 12th century times and um there were very important trade routes consisting of roads rivers and canals leading to the Netherlands, France, and the English Channel um, from this town, as as we know, uh, with it being on the Eperly, the, the river running around the banks of the city. And in the Middle Ages, Ypres grew into an important marketplace for the region. Easy access to the coast meant that the people of the city established links with wool trade in England, as that was also one of most used products and it really allowed their fabric uh, their fabric market to expand even more than it already was and it kind of became the center of the cloth trade and uh, guilds and masters were founded um, the the Lackenhalle or the clothes hall um, began in the center of Ypres in 1200 on the dot and it took a hundred years to complete and in 1241 it was very sad there was a fire in the city that destroyed many of the wooden buildings including this Lakenhalle or the clothes hall um by 1260 the population of the city had grown to four forty thousand people which is more than it is today and it i think if i remember that was basically the peak of the population in Ypres, which is quite low considering the like vital location it played back in those days. But it still was one of the largest, largest cities in that region. Since the first century BC, um, when the Belge people, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, like the Belgian people, uh, were conquered by the Romans under... Uh, Caesar's uh, ruling in about 54 BC, the Flanders region had been invaded by successive armies that had suffered from ravages of war. In spite of this, Ypres managed to establish itself as a financially and culturally rich city in the 12th century. And by the 13th century, Ypres had gained the status of an independent city-state and we can still see that being true today and obviously we we gotta come to it at some point uh the one of the largest historical events happened here in Ypres with world war one one of the largest battles there's a whole movie about it um i believe it's uh under hill 90 or something like that it which is based off of the largest hill in all of Belgium, 
which is only 90 meters above sea level. It's right next to Ypres. There was a massive battle that lasted ages where the city was back and forth in German control. It wasn't in German control. It was. It wasn't back and forth constantly because the German Empire at the time invaded Belgium as a, like, basically <laughs> an easier spot to further invade into France. And that you can see this being used not only in World War One but in World War Two as well by the Germans. And it was an effective method as the Belgian border the Belgian border with France is a lot easier to like go over compared to the German uh, French border where there are some mountains and a very very large river and so this was a common strategy for Germany at the time to blitz through the the Belgian landscape and eventually reach the French border where they could push through even farther as it was just as flat in that region and very easy to move around and this caused havoc in the Flemish-speaking country as the city was basically entirely destroyed people in the city were left homeless just as many other cities within the region and it, it was a very tough time for the Belgian people which is why in World War II, when the Germans yet again invaded Belgium, Belgians basically immediately surrendered due to the fact they didn't want to fight another war and it would just cause them more problems. And the main talking point about this war was that Belgium, Be Belgium was a neutral nation and really Germany didn't care. <laughs> and... It was quite sad to see. So, looking at a map from a uh, bird's eye view, we can see the city very condensed, like super small. We can see a river running through the, uh, running from the north section of the city, and it go it splits off to seems to be just an ending location, and then to the to the west of the city, it continues to run with the central part of the city actually having a castle-like structure, which was the town square at the time, before they ended up having such a large population that they had to expand outwards and past these, um, I guess, I don't even know what they're exactly called, but little spiky bits that come out of the central hub of Ypres. And the reason why the city was located where it was was due to the river and near to the ocean creating great trade routes as mentioned before. And it was just overall a nice place to be. It was near the peak levels of, or it was near the highest points of the Belgian landscape with only 90 meters above sea level being the highest point. And it really wasn't that impressive, but it was still interesting to hear that I've seen the tallest mountain in all of Belgium, and it was literally only 90 meters above sea level. And um, with all this history in World War One, we know there has to be some sort of tourism here, and there certainly is. As as said, this was a student trip through our school, and so we were tourists there. The city has a strong emphasis 
on tourism with the mass amount of history from World War I here. Uh, the city has a large number of hotels across the area, public transportation to other cities within Belgium, several museums, city tours, and even a theme park, um, not in Ypres, but nearby, um, actually on the Belgian coast. And so this really allows them to bring in that tourism industry that the city needs to rely on to survive as a small, smaller city overall. And as I said, there are some forms of public transportation. The train service is quite limited, although it does go to the capital city of Brussels and it goes to Antwerp, which is the other quite large city in Belgium. Um, Within the city, though, there are quite limited amounts of public transportation, with buses being your only option of public transportation, unless you are renting a car or, a, in our case, as a school, we rented a large bus to be able to transport all of our students around this small town. And, uh, I mean, it did work, although it was quite annoying due to the very skinny streets within Ypres as it's an older town skinnier streets it, it's kind of expected across most of Europe um, there are some bike lanes within the city so biking as a local resident is an option for getting around going to your local grocery store all of the simple needs in life um, if we're talking about the environmental effects as we were talking about the the cars and how that's probably the main use of transportation throughout Ypres and most cities and basically the entire world at this point. The whole of Belgium as of 2016 emitted uh, 94 million tons, million tons of CO2 and obviously it, it seems like such a high number but really in the like in the entire world we have countries that are smaller than belgium emitting double this and it's sad to see and really it shouldn't be this way anymore with our environmental technologies that are being developed we should be able to be doing better than this but overall it's a lower rate than I was expecting considering the amount of cars that are used throughout the country. Um, as I said, it does have very limited um, population expansion, and for that reason, there aren't very many future development plans currently. Uh, the only one I was able to find was a skate park redesign, which is nice. It is nice, although it's not going to be anything absolutely amazing so in conclusion this is one of the shorter episodes um Ypres is a quite small city and is overall designed as a tourist city but there are some limitations with that due to the lack of public transportation as i said i think a tram line could totally be implemented and it would greatly improve the city although there are aren't very much um population gains on an average day um we could see this still being a possible addition to the city with 
funding being available due to there being a large amount of wealth within the nation. So thank you for listening to my podcast. As I said, it's called Planning Worldwide. That idea just came to mind when I was thinking, okay, I wanted to create a podcast about urban planning. What can I say? What what should I do? Planning Worldwide. I think it's a good name if you don't think so. You don't think so. I don't really care. Um, <laughs> so thank you very much for listening to my podcast. Um, the next episode will be on the city of... Drumroll, please. Taipei, Taiwan. Uh, this one will definitely be a longer episode. It's a much larger city. Much more to talk about. Um, so thank you for listening to this podcast. It's been a pleasure having you here, even though I don't know who you are. Um, Thank you very much. And uh, that was Planning Worldwide.